Thank you for tuning into the weekly sermon from Journey of Hope, a United Methodist community. We are a welcoming community that fosters belonging and acceptance. Through ministries, we enable individuals to transform their lives as they learn to follow Jesus Christ. We follow the guidance of the Spirit in sharing our faith through missional adventures, building relationships, and offering our witness to our community and world. We serve the Elgin, Illinois area and are located at the corner of Randall Road and Highland. To learn more about us, you can check us out at johumc.org or any of our social media platforms by searching Journey of Hope. And now, here is this week's message. If you are able, will you please stand for the reading from the scriptures? This morning, the scripture comes from the book of John, chapter 4, verses 1 through 15. It's that well-known story that a group from, Lar- from I want to say Larkin, from Wesley uh, Church used to sing together on occasion with the Gardeners and the Newtons and Chuck Kaiser and whoever would join us. Jesus met the woman at the well. And I'll use that as my introduction. <laughs> and I quote from John. Now, Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, Give me this water so that I won't get thirsty 
and I have to keep coming here to draw water. May God bless the reading, hearing, and understanding of his word. Amen. Will you pray with me? Loving God, we come striving to hear your word. And so God, speak. Speak so that we may truly understand what you are saying to us today. God, may the words that I speak no longer be my own, but they would be your words for your people. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so welcome all of you here, all of you worshiping with us at home uh, or wherever you are, because I know some of you are, are not near your homes. You're traveling. You're uh, maybe on a train somewhere, uh, but you're all over, and so, uh, so welcome as we continue on this series focusing on the way, walking in the footsteps of Jesus. See, we journey through this Lent season. We strive to see what it means to become more Christ-like in our life. We've journeyed so far already, and I really hope that this has been your prayer throughout this Lenten season, because it's so easy to talk about, but it's incredibly difficult to live it out. But that is what we're called to do, to live this out. And so now it's time to reflect on this topic of sinners, outcasts, and the poor. How does this theme speak to us about living a Christ-like life? Have you ever felt like one of these? Keith shared a story. You ever felt like you were on the outside looking in to a group? Did someone come to you in that time? Did, did they help you? Did other people look down at you? Make you feel inferior? These are just some of the questions that are raised as we look at how Jesus felt about people in those situations. So I encourage you, I mean, I mean, like I do every week, I encourage you to have your compass guides. And uh, if you don't have anything, if you've got sitting at home, you've got a notebook that you can grab to, to jot some notes down so that when the Spirit speaks to you this morning, you can jot those down so that you don't forget what the Spirit has just told you. What is it that I want you to take home with, with you today? I've been giving you a, a number of different points. I always, I'm, through this series, I've given you the point right up front so that you can think about it, so that you can reflect on it over and over again throughout the, throughout the message. But I've got just one for you today. Just one. And this one might be pretty obvious, but here it is. If we are to live a Christ-like life, we need to be inclusive. Now, what is inclusive? What does inclusive mean? Uh, so I had to look it up. My wonderful friend, uh, Miriam Webster, uh, can tell us uh, a number of things about words. And so here's, here's what Miriam Webster has said. And here's the first one. Uh, comprehending stated limits or extremes. Okay. Maybe something else. Let's try the next one. Broad in orientation or scope, covering or intended to cover all items, costs, or services. Well, that certainly helps. <laughs> Does that clear it up for you? <laughs> no. So, I mean, if I heard that definition without any further explanation, I might think that means that 
that my offering this morning would cover all incurred costs of the church, all of its services, that I wouldn't need to pay for anything else, no extra meals, no bringing an extra dish to that Monday, Thursday potluck or the potluck dinner this Wednesday at 5.30. There's a plug for you. Nothing else is needed. But as with many things, Jesus teaches us this is not what we mean here in the church or even in our communities as we strive to live Christ-like. So what does it mean? How does, how does Jesus show us this life? I mean, we find it in the way he treated others around him. Jesus, in all of his actions, demonstrates the love of the Father. Every word he spoke, every healing he performed, every act of kindness, every advocating, every time he looked into the eyes of a stranger, he was exuding this love that he had for them. In our story from Scripture today, we find Jesus talking with that woman at the well, asking her to get him some water because he didn't have anything to draw water up with. But who is this woman? What do we know about her? Why is she at the well at a particular time during the day? And so first of all, we notice, as Keith had mentioned, that this is a Samaritan woman, and Samaritans did not associate with Jewish people. It was unacceptable. And in fact, most times, those who were Jewish in need of travel from Jerusalem to Galilee would go out of their way by crossing the Jordan River and journeying twice as long just so they didn't have to go through Samaria. Don't take the short route. They took the long way home. But Jesus carried a different message, a different view of people. Jesus takes his disciples and heads north to Galilee. But instead of going across the Jordan and taking that long journey up there, he travels right through Samaria. I wonder what the disciples thought when he didn't take the left at Albuquerque. And just went straight. There's a little Looney Tunes reference for you, just in case you caught that. <laughs> well, so, so he stops at the well because he's tired, and he sent his disciples on ahead of him into the village. Notice that the well is not in the village. It's outside, and this is important as we find out who this woman is. So the woman comes to the well in the middle of the day, and this is the time when, when it was the warmest. Actually, we would probably say it was the hottest at this time. She's not getting water during the customary time, the coolness of the morning. She's getting her water in the heat of the day at this well, which is outside the village. And I think we all know why. Because no one else is around or at least that's what she thought. Jesus met her at the well, and through this conversation of getting water from the well, Jesus offers her living water. So during this conversation, we find that she's been married five times before, and that she's currently living with someone who's not her spouse. Here is the reason why she, she is behaving in such a strange way. She is an outcast. She is viewed as a sinner, which is odd because we are all sinners. But she's not welcome in certain circles. People from the village would look down on her, would ridicule her, or maybe even just ignore her. 
She couldn't get water from the well in town, nor could she get water during the normal time, even if it was the well outside of the village. Certainly there were women, there, uh, there were women who would get water from that well too, but she was still not even welcome there. But you see, Jesus is different. Amen. Jesus wants to welcome her. He wants to give her this living water so that she doesn't have to return to this well anymore, to the heat of the day anymore. Now, are we, are we actually talking about H2O? Are we actually talking about water that we all need to live, to cook, to wash? I mean, no, Jesus is talking about a different kind of living water. Jesus is offering forgiveness, reconciliation. He's offering redemption, a relationship, so that she doesn't have to draw water from any well at any time of the day. This is a view into the kingdom of God. This is the inclusiveness of Jesus' teachings. All are welcome. All are included. All are loved. We find this in so many other stories from Scripture. We find this in Jesus' calling of Matthew, the tax collector. Tax collectors were obviously not welcome among, or were not, uh, among those who are welcomed in many places during Jesus' time, but yet Jesus welcomes a tax collector. We see the inclusive nature of Jesus' healing of lepers, both in the beginning of his ministry as well as the ten who were healed, even if only one returned. Jesus healed a centurion servant, again, outside the norm for Jewish people of that day. And then there was a a Gentile man outside of the Jewish faith whom Jesus cast out the demon. You remember Legion, the many, many demons? Actually ended up in that herd of pigs and sent him into into the lake. And then we have this woman who had been bleeding for many years. She would have been seen as ritually unclean and therefore not able to touch anyone or be near anyone. Could you imagine not feeling the touch of another person for 12 years? How desperate would she have been for just the touch of someone's hand? Jesus doesn't care about the ritual cleanliness. He cares about the person. He shows her that she has worth, that she is loved when he not only heals her by his touch, but also through his calling out to her and speaking words of love and forgiveness to her. And that's that's what we have. And what about the woman who came to the Pharisee's house while they were enjoying dinner? She falls at Jesus' feet and begins to cry, all the while washing his feet with her tears and anointing him. The perfume that she brought with her. All the others at the party looked down at her. They thought she was less than human. She was not worth paying attention to or even welcoming her. But Jesus turns turns to those at the party and he actually advocates for her. He shows her the agape love of God. He welcomes and forgives her. Throughout Scripture, we find that We find Jesus surrounding himself with sinners, outcasts, and the poor. That is where he lived his life. He didn't live among the wealthy or up in the upper class or the leaders of the day. He wanted to meet the people right where they were. 
And he talked with people whom the religious leaders wouldn't have spent a moment thinking about. Jesus loved those who the world looked down upon. If we are to live a Christ-like life, that is what we are called to do as well. We need to show the rest of the world that everyone's life matters. Every single human being has inherent worth. Regardless of who we think they are, they are still a child of God. And they are all given the same grace of God that we are. Why shouldn't we want, allow, why shouldn't we want to allow God to use us in that salvation plan? I remember a few summers ago, I served as a chaplain at the Rockford Memorial Hospital, and I spent a lot of my time up in the NICU, uh, the neonatal intensive care unit. I met parents and nurses and doctors, and, and all of whom practiced uh, this throughout, throughout that in their everyday life, that every life mattered. No matter the circumstances, no matter the ability to pay, it was one night, I remember, I stopped down in the, uh, the step-down unit. The step-down unit is where, uh, where they have the babies who don't need as intensive care as, as the others. It would be those who were, who were actually close to going home. They didn't need a nurse to be the by, by the bedside at every moment. There were usually only a couple of nurses in this nursery at the time, but, but this was also the place where... where there were always a few babies who were born addicted. Their mothers during the pregnancy would have continued horrible habits of drug and alcohol. And when these babies were born, they would need extra care as the doctors and nurses attempted to wean them off of the addiction that they were born into. Now, if you think about adults who are trying to quit addiction and they need rehab in order to accomplish it, you will see that there are times when their bodies fight against everything as they try to get to the new normal. And these babies were going through the same thing, except they have no words to express how they feel. And many times they would just cry in their cribs all the time. They would stop when the nurses would hold them because that's what they wanted. It's what they needed. They needed to feel the comfort of a human touch, of a human caress. They wanted the, the feeling of love given through the cradling of them in their arms. It was truly heartbreaking to see these babies starving for attention and crying out when they didn't have it. I remember I asked the nurse one time when I was up there, I said, I could help by just, just holding the baby that was crying. She was so thankful that I offered. I was, able, I was actually able to hold this infant and rock that little one for almost three hours. In doing so, I was able to offer the love of God to this infant. I was able, if only a moment, to show this baby what love is. It is the acceptance of them, regardless of who they are, of what they have gone through. Now, maybe this baby won't remember any of that. In fact, I'm pretty sure that she won't. But the nurse that was working there that night, who was so ecstatic because I gave her the opportunity to get all of her work done, because had she held the baby for those three hours, she wouldn't have been able to. 
to her, I was demonstrating the acceptance of another life, one that was far different than mine, one that the world thinks of as unworthy. This little baby's life was precious in God's sight. Brothers and sisters, all of our lives have worth. We are all loved by God. And therefore, we need to treat each other the way Jesus has shown us. Jesus' ministry was an inclusive ministry. All are welcomed, including those who the rest of the religious leaders in the world thought shouldn't have been. And they should have been discarded and thrown away, but but not in Jesus' ministry. So too, we welcome all who walk through these doors of the United Methodist Church. It's called to be inclusive as Jesus' church is inclusive. And so I'm going to do something really strange here this morning. I've done it before. I'm going to pull out our book of discipline. (laughs) Just because I know you love the book of discipline. I've got clergy friends that love the book of discipline. Uh, I want to read something. It's paragraph 140, just the beginning parts of it. It's on, and it really is. It's on page 101. I got it highlighted. We recognize that God made all creation and saw that it was good. As a diverse people of God who bring special gifts and evidences of God's grace to the unity of the church and to society, we are called to be faithful to the example of Jesus' ministry to all persons. Inclusiveness means openness, acceptance, and support that enables all persons to participate in the life of the church, the community, and the world. Therefore, inclusiveness denies every semblance of discrimination. The services of worship of every local church in the United Methodist Church shall be open to all persons. The mark of an inclusive society is one in which all persons are open, welcoming, fully accepting, and supporting of all other persons, enabling them to participate fully in the life of the church, the community, and the world. That is our book of discipline. Words that were written many years ago as part of the United Methodist Church. And so here is what I hope that we can say. The world discriminates. Journey of Hope doesn't. The world sees racial lines drawn. Journey of Hope does not. The world sees social and economic class differences. Journey of Hope does not. The world argues and fights over every little difference in our lives, including gender, orientation, political affiliation, and whatever else you might want to name here. Journey of Hope does not. We are open, welcoming, fully accepting, and supporting of all people in the life and ministry of the church, just as our book of discipline asks us to. This is Jesus' view as he looked at everyone, including sinners and outcasts and the poor, all of those on the margins of society. He looked at them as those who have value. He loves them. And Jesus loves you. And Jesus loves me. He has welcomed all of us into the kingdom. There is a song that that reminds us about this. Is it not? Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. 
They are weak, but He is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. Will you pray with me? Gracious and almighty God, God, we come before you knowing that you love us, but also being challenged that you love everyone else and that we are to, are to follow in Jesus' footsteps, that we are to become more Christ-like each and every day, which means that we are to love everyone just as Jesus loved everyone. And we are to be inclusive and welcoming. And so, God, I know sometimes that is difficult. But, God, I pray that you would encourage us, that you would give us the strength, and that you would give us the wisdom to continue to do that. All this I ask in the name of the one who showed us what inclusiveness meant. Amen. Will you bear God's light to the world around you? Will you welcome all, the sinners, the outcasts, the poor, the marginalized, all people? And will you love them? Because that is what we just sang. That yes, here I am, Lord. Is it I, Lord? I have heard your, your cries in the night. I will go. Will you go as well? I encourage you to join us across the hall if you're here in the sanctuary for, uh, for refreshments. Like I said, I will be there. Uh, we can talk about uh, some of the things that we mentioned earlier on in the service. Uh, and for all of you worshiping online, I certainly encourage you to reach out uh, and I can answer any of the questions that you might have. But go forth from this place and from wherever you are this morning, knowing that the love of God, the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit goes with you. And it goes with you always. Amen.